Hey church, I hope this finds you well. I have an exciting audio message to share with you, but before we get into it, I wanted to give you a little bit of background about where it's coming from. We're currently in the middle of our Advent series. It's week two. And during this Advent series, we're offering a discussion question each week. We we pass it out in our bulletin, and we hope that you'll go home with this and discuss it with your friends and family. Now, this week in our Advent series, as we're going through Matthew 1 and 2, we were looking at the conception of Jesus when the angel comes to the Lord and says, Mary, the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in you, and that child is the Messiah. And we got to see how Joseph handles that, where he has this restless evening of, of wondering and, and really asking the question, this or the statement rather, this is not how it's supposed to be. They had thought about what their betrothal was going to look like, what their marriage was going to look like, what this process was going to look like. In an instant, it was flipped on its head. But in the end, where Joseph and Mary were saying, this is not how it's supposed to be. God is saying, no, this is exactly how it's supposed to be because the Messiah is being born. The Messiah is coming. And the question that we posed to the congregation that we passed out on in that bulletin was this. We don't often stop and consider the mercies of the Lord in the midst of our daily lives. We can know, however, that they are always there. Then here's the question that we asked. Where have you seen the Lord's mercy in your life or in the lives of others this past year? Well, as we sat down to write these discussion questions, there was one particular story that came to mind that frankly I said, the church needs to hear this. It's a story of grace. It's a story of mercy. It's a story of really that echoes Joseph and Mary's statements of this is not how it's supposed to be. It's a story that John and Deanna Pouliot have gone through, and it's the story about their daughter, Eva. Just to give you a little bit of background, though we're going to get into it in this discussion that you're about to hear that I had, Eva has Down syndrome, and I had the opportunity to observe them walk through this trial, uh, and still can observe them walking through this, but I had the opportunity of, of, of hearing about the very first first time a doctor called Deanna in the middle of an ER shift that she was working and said, there's something wrong in the scans. You need to come in very quickly. I had the opportunity to observe them as Eva was born, them figuring out, okay, what exactly does Down syndrome look like with Eva? What therapies need to take place? What what procedures are we going to have to go through? And I've had the opportunity to see them over the course of years and months rest in the Lord, walking forward in faith, and in some sense, blind faith, because they didn't know what was coming. And I can tell you that it was a story of the Lord's mercy, because while Eva is still very young, and we don't know what tomorrow brings, John and Deanna's faith in the Lord is one that builds my faith up, and is one that I hope will build your faith up. And so here's what I did. I sat down with them and had a conversation. I had a conversation about what the Lord has been doing in them and through them. I had a conversation about how we can uh, better serve them as a body. I had a conversation about how they, how we can learn from th- their struggles and the knowledge that they have received from the Lord, how they can share that with us. And I had a conversation that, frankly, is going to encourage the socks off of you. So without further ado, I'm going to take us through the conversation that I had the privilege of having with John and Deanna. I hope you enjoy. John and Deanna, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and to share your heart uh, about the Lord, to share your story about Eva, 
uh, and to share your thoughts about Down syndrome. As I've been tr- trying to figure out the best way to jump into this conversation, I actually want to start at the end. And so before you share any of the details and any of the story, what do you want us to know about about the Lord, about Eva, about Down syndrome, about faith, about trust? If we hear nothing else, what do you want us to walk away with from this conversation? I just want people to know that children with disabilities are a huge blessing and a gift. And um, I also just want to advocate for Eva and to promote inclusion and to her being treated like any other human that God made perfectly. And so ultimately, I think... That's what I want everyone to hear, but also just the message of hope through pain and suffering and everything we endured. I just think a lot of people don't know sometimes how to treat people who have differing abilities. Yeah. And, and also <laughs> how to approach parents of people with disabilities because, and she, Deanna has taught me a lot about it. She corrects me sometimes and just says, hey, that's not kind of the way that we talk about this. Yeah. Uh, I I look at Eva's disability as an like an illness you know and she she doesn't as much and so i have to, i've had to like adjust my so like we don't want people coming up to us and feeling sorry for us or you know that's not the point the god has given eva to us for a reason we don't totally know what that is yet but we hope that these kinds of conversations will be part of her story and part of our church's story. Like she's here, she's part of our church and um, you know, there's other disabilities I'm sure in the church, but this is a kind of a unique one for our church. So it it might take a little bit of time. So obviously that perspective, there's like, there's a lot of ground between like the moment when you first found out like of the possible diagnosis. And I even know there's questions there. Can you kind of describe one? What was the first moment when, like, when you guys heard this, and just kind of even tell the story? I've 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 heard it once before, but I would love to hear it again. So, so the context I think is important, and probably we'll get into it when we talk about you know how our marriage has been strengthened. But we we struggled with infertility for a few years before Eleanor. Um, we had uh, a, a, from from the outset fa- a fairly low possibility of pregnancy or even having any kids um and so we had and we had a miscarriage before eleanor and then eleanor came and then another kind of stretch of infertility uh and then eva came and so i think it's important as a for context to to under for us to kind of convey that having kids was is a is an incredible blessing uh finding out that we were pregnant is is incredible is incredible for us you know because of the struggle and so i know that that is not com that is not unique to our situation that there's other couples that struggle with this but um you know the diagnosis part is is i'll let deanna tell that because um she kind of was in the lead the other part of the context is that this all happened during covid and so deanna did all of this by herself they wouldn't allow me to go to any of the appointments i, I went to one appointment uh, I got to be in the ultrasound room once, and it was at one of the scariest times uh, in the journey pre-birth. Um, but the COVID thing added a dimension of seclusion to Deanna and to me um, that that I think is really made it really, really 
that was a huge struggle. Um, me not being me not being able to be there and her not having support. I just remember the first time we went to she had her first maternal fetal medicine, um, just crying in the car, just both in tears that I she had to walk into this by herself. Um, so as we kind of talk about this, th- I think that context is important. But so I'll it does look. seem like so much of the story is from the very beginning, even with like struggling with getting pregnant, it's the assumed, this is how it's supposed to be. This is, you know, just that, that dream that we all have of like, as we're dreaming about, like, these are the emotions from the very beginning, it was completely different. And then, yeah, like you lay COVID on top of that. Can't imagine how, I mean, going through this, even as a couple, but then walking into that hospital by yourself. Yeah. Um, and the appointments were frequent. Um, like usually at least once a week, sometimes more, we had a scare with a, um, heart defect that, um, they weren't even sure she would make it until birth. That was the one appointment he got to come to with me. But other than that, it was weekly and sometimes biweekly appointments completely alone. Um, and I felt alone and isolated anyway, secondary to this presumed diagnosis. And mm-hmm. then that just added an additional layer for sure. So I, I, I guess, can you both explain in your own words what it's like to find out that Eva has Down syndrome? And even the story, and, and I know there's, there's, a, there's a Facebook post that, Diana, you wrote I think a year ago now. That when I I had I had talked with you guys as you were going through this, but in in your as, as you were describing that and just in that post, it, it was it hit me because you could you could hear the fear in that moment of finding out about uh, about Down syndrome, but there's this story where you weren't writing it out of fear, but it was out of trust and rest and gratitude almost. So just from the very beginning, what's it like to find out that your child has Down syndrome? It's paralyzing. Um... Once I got over the initial shock, I went through a big stream of emotions. I think we both did. Um, Fear was at the forefront of that, Um, but also anger and just wondering why us, why me, what do we do with this? Um, We all have a vision for our children's lives, and that was not ours, and just, um, you know, even we both have medical training, and I think that made it a little bit worse because we know a lot of complications that these children can face. And so prior to her birth, I think at times we wondered if she would even make it to conception. And then if she did, what would her life look like? And how hard that could be for us, but ultimately for her. Yeah. Yeah, I think the medical background really did hurt because we, there was a, there's a sense, you know, in which we were thinking worst case scenario, because that's kind of our training is to think worst case scenario. And then we were getting these not conflicting reports, but she's her heart looks fine. Her heart looks like there's a malformation, you know, going back and forth into these like extremes and, and hearing other family stories about like the baby's born and they whisk them to the neonatal ICU and they have open heart surgery in the first week. And we just, we, so we were, I, I was more focused on that. Like I wasn't, I, I still maybe I don't think long-term about Eva. I kind of, I was just kind of in the moment and I still am to some extent like the, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I, I, I worry about her when she grows up. I think about that, like as any parent would, 
But a lot of this, my mentality was very much like, okay, what's the next thing that's going to hit us? And in the back of our minds, and this was probably more prominent for me than, than Deanna, is, is, the, is the prenatal test accurate? You know, those prenatal tests often result in abortion. And so the, you know, the statistics mind in me is like, well, if these tests, the, the baby's not actually seen at the other end of it, then, you know, how accurate could it be? That kind of thing. And then we would get these reports like, oh, her heart is completely fine. And uh, it doesn't really look like she has growth issues. And, you know, so pre, like even at the point of birth, we weren't really sure if the test was accurate or not, because as we walked through it, we were getting, you know, she looks great. She, she didn't go to the, she didn't go to the neonatal ICU when she was born. She had a, you know, everything was pretty normal up until birth. And and then we got kind of the, the firm diagnosis, um, the next morning, I guess, is when they came in and kind of firmly diagnosed it and then a blood test to follow. Um, so, yeah. I mean, kids is a roller coaster of emotion anyway, but the roller coaster was severe in your case and definitely had some major G forces in it. I, I guess when I'm the there's kind of three aspects of this story that I would love to pull out and, and they come in these questions that that I offered. But I would say the first one is the relationship your relationship with God, because Deanna, you mentioned just all of the all of those emotions, which are totally normal and completely reasonable to go, God, why, why this and why now? And so, like, there's there's that aspect of just over the last three years of dealing with that, and then there's the the relationship with Eva, and like you, like you describing her as being the lucky few of being parents of Down syndrome, and then your relationship as a marriage of you sitting in the car, you know, watching her walk into these appointments, both scared, wanting to support her, but then just as parents dealing with all of the things. And as, as, as you mentioned, John, just the various ways that you, you look at that. So I guess I'd just like to kind of tackle those three things and maybe starting with God. It's like how, how in this journey, if I can use that word, and I know it can be overused, have you, has your, your, I guess, dependence on God grown and your trust in God grown? Like, how has that relationship with God been changed because you have Eva in your life? So we've mentioned some of these things already, Um, the fear and anxiety and uncertainty. And then now that she's here, um, all these medical appointments and extra therapies and lab draws and the things that we had never walked through as parents previously. Mm -hmm. And so I think what we've seen consistently is just the faithfulness of God and and just how with every twist and turn and part of this roller coaster that he has opened doors and hearts and minds. Yeah, I, I mean I would agree. I, it's 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 easy sometimes and to to express your faith verbally when everything's going well, when you have the answers that you think are uh, or what are the right answer? You know, you have your, you know, your job and your kids are healthy and all that stuff. But when, um, when things like this happen, um, your, your faith is tested to, to a, a great extent, but also, um, it's proved, it's proven like God proves, pro- pro- has proved to us his faithfulness through all of this. He has not given us more than we could handle. Um, 
we could probably argue with that at times. It's felt like it sometimes. Um, but even the way all the things lined up with the context of COVID and, and everything else, he's been faithful. He's been faithful. And he has given us a joy in our little daughter that I would not trade for anything. Uh, diagnosis or not, hit future, whatever that holds, I wouldn't trade anything over the last three years um, for being able to get a little hug from from that sweet girl. And I, you know, we don't know what our road looks like going forward. She still has she's she's been she has been in the very small minority of kids that haven't had many physical abnormalities. Um, but we don't know. There's other complications that can crop up. There's increased risk of cancer. There's um, developmental delays that could still show up with speech and occupational therapy and things like that. So we don't know what the future holds. And, I, you know, that is a different kind of hardship. Um, Deanna and I, we've been through miscarriage. We've been through deaths in the family. We've been through a lot of things. But there's a sense in which there's, a, there's an event that takes place and there's a finality to it. And what we are walking through is a, a like a, a journey, to use the term again, that we don't know what the road looks like. And to some extent, that's true for any parent. But it's it seems like it's a little bit more unknown with Eva. Um, and so that, you know, that gives us more opportunity to trust God um, and to experience his faithfulness towards us. Mm-hmm. So, so this question is off script, but you know, not all of us have the privilege of having a child with Down syndrome, but all of us have the unfortunate privilege of going through these moments in life where we start to question God. And you guys have obviously gone through um, many moments of that. And I, I, I don't even want to say we're on the other side because I don't think you, we can ever get on the other side of that in life because life is, yeah. is, is difficult at all times. But you're in it and you've experienced things. What counsel would you give to somebody who's maybe if in, in their own journey back at the first stage of this where you guys are questioning what's going on? What counsel can you give, ab- frankly, just about God that you've, you've learned in this process and you've learned it through tears and through, and through doubting and, and, and heartache? What, what encouragement can you give to that person who's struggling about what you know about God today? Just, I think back to, you know, those verses where he talks about taking care of the flowers and the birds. And if he's going to take care of them and make them beautiful, then he's going to take care of us too. And there were a lot of times where I didn't know where else to turn. Um, But my answers certainly weren't being found in worldly things or in humans. And so I felt like that was the only place to go. And I honestly can't imagine trying to walk through something like that without having faith. And those questions would have never been answered, and some of them still aren't. But um, all those things could never have been fulfilled by anybody or anything. Um, and so that's I, – I just – some you know, when you feel like you have nowhere else to go, you know – There's a lot of different sayings, look up or turn to God or whatnot. But I do feel like you sometimes have to hit your lowest point in order to have your deepest amount of faith. Yeah. I think, I think it's important 
for people that go through something similar to to just be okay with all of the emotions and to not try to be Sunday school, your Sunday school best through it. Um, the Psalms are filled with uh, lament and questioning God and uh, and also praising God. And so we definitely went through all of those emotions and I would just say it's okay. Like that's part of it. Um, God can handle us questioning him. And, uh, and I, I don't think it's, 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 it's going through something like this is not something that you can do without just being honest with yourself and being honest with God and, and not holding back, um, the emotions and the thoughts and the frustrations and the anger and all of that. Um, I think it has made, you know, certainly our relationship stronger and uh, it has, it has made our faith a lot more tangible. And when we talk about God's faithfulness, he's faithful through, you know, all of the things that we went through our, our weakest moments are, you know, questioning him he he's been faithful through it all so you both have described parents of down syndrome children as the lucky few which i love that description can you guys describe why you say that and talk more about that um so just to give a little background um i'm a science nerd um so i want to talk a little bit about the chances of having a child with down syndrome so one in 700, it is the most common genetic abnormality, but even so, that's not incredibly common. So to turn that into a percentage, it's 0.14%. And so there's only a few of us that have been blessed to have those kiddos. And in 2017, there was a book written by a mom who has two children with Down syndrome. She adopted both of them, so she chose that road. Um, the road wasn't given to her. She chose that road, but it was called the lucky few finding God's best in most unlikely places. And so shortly after that, there was a big movement, um, in which women began to share their stories and to talk about how blessed they were and fortunate they were to be this 0.14%. And so over just the last four or five years, um, it has become a movement of advocacy, inclusion, awareness, and it's um, a very amazing community, and we have been welcomed into that community. Um, and I just, I feel like we really are blessed beyond words, and most people will never even realize how blessed we are. Um, so that's kind of the backstory of the Lucky Few. I don't yeah. know if you want to add on to it. Yeah, I would just echo, uh, Deanna does a lot more of the research and she listens to the podcast a lot more than I do. Um, I just think it's an amazing story of how um, people have changed the narrative on this particular, I mean, five years ago, um, over the last two decades, we there are countries that have talked about we've cured Down syndrome and they've done it through abortion. Um, and now we're talking about this being a blessing and a positive. And I mean, these, they, they, these, this community, they party great. I mean, it's just a beautiful way that God has used to change the narrative from evil, uh, the evil of, of, um, ending those lives to not only are we going to be okay with this, we're just not going to be okay with this. 
we're going to celebrate this. This is this, these are children that not only should not be aborted, but they should be celebrated. Um, and I think when we think about um, all the negatives in the world and all the the ways things are going wrong, I think God is ha, is using this particular issue to transform people's views on on that. I mean, you know, just in the uh, that's the kind of the forefront of a lot of what the conversation is nationally is. Um, that issue, but part of that issue is that these children are now being adopted. They're being adopted. Like that is just such a blessing and so cool. And that's changing in the medical community. That's changing within the research spectrum. So for reference in the fifties and sixties, the life expectancy of an individual with Down syndrome was in the low twenties. And now in 2022, it is approaching 65 so there's no other um, diagnosis or disease state that we've been able to improve life expectancy within such a short time. That's just incredible. And, you know, I think that that's the direction we want to continue moving in. And part of it is this awareness and advocacy and even showing medical professionals that you don't have to deliver this doom and gloom diagnosis. Um, this can be approached in a different way. You don't have to say, first and foremost, would you like to terminate this pregnancy? Um, so I think that's the direction that we're wanting to move, and we certainly Is want to be a voice that you, for that. that you guys live through, that, that somebody asking you that question? No. Fortunately not. We um, They ask, I mean, anybody that's pregnant, they ask about the getting the blood test. Um, we said, no, it wouldn't matter early on, but then, um, later there was a potential issue with, there was something on it was the just a ultrasound, soft cardiac marker. Yeah. Um, and she just offered the test, uh, and, and it was later. So our, uh, your OB from my understanding never really breached, broached the subject, but she, she also knew from our previous answers yeah. to the, to the blood test question that yeah. we would. And even the delivery was very positive. It was over the phone. I was at work in the middle of a 12-hour shift, um, but she needed to tell me pretty immediately. So when I spoke with her, she was very positive. She had um, offered examples of other women that she knew that had children with Down syndrome. Um, It was never, and I didn't realize at the time how fortunate and blessed I was that that was the approach because that is not the norm. Um, so, you know, one thing that I feel very passionate about is shifting the narrative within the medical community. And you think these people are the most educated people, but sometimes um, it's not what you know, it's how you relay what you know. And that can be done very differently. And so families have very different experiences based on that initial delivery. Fortunately, I did not have that, um, which was a huge blessing. Well, and John, I, I can think of, of a story that you told me early on where I think you're talking with a colleague, and I think this was even before even was born, and he was excited for it because I think he has a he has a child w- with Down syndrome, and he was like, just the way you had expressed yeah. it, it was, he was excited that you were part of the community. He said, congratulations. Yeah. 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 And they had a horrendous, like, open heart surgery at birth. Um, they didn't even have a baby shower. It was their first child. They didn't even have a baby shower because the they said the, the if if he makes it a few days after birth, that will be you know. So they had to like when I mean he's great. I think he's twelve or thirteen now and completely you know healthy and running around and but yeah they had a really horrendous 
run at the very beginning, young marriage and dealing with that. And, and still that was his first, his knee jerk was congratulations. That's awesome. You're, you're, it's, you're going to be so blessed. I mean, just what, what testimony that is that 12 years later, it's not, I'm so sorry. Yeah. We'll get through this. Yeah. Not, but immediately it's, Oh, this is great. Like excitement. Like I'm excited. Like congratulations for entering this journey with yeah. a lot of heartache and a lot of tears and a lot of questions and a lot of therapies as, sure. as I know you guys are in. And yet he goes, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. And now that's kind of us offering that congratulations to other people. So recently one of my former colleagues got the prenatal diagnosis and I certainly want to give her space to grieve and to mourn and to be sad and angry and all those things. But that was my initial response to her was congratulations. Mm. So um, I feel like, you know, it's easy for us to say now (laughs) and less easy for us to say when we were in the thick of that. But that just goes back to the lucky few. It's like you're going to realize very quickly that you are being blessed beyond belief. Yeah. Well, and isn't that how God works? I'm sure David wrote Psalm 23, not in the valley of the shadow of death. On the other (laughs) side, looking at it, going, oh, you are here with me. Yeah. And and it's it's as you said, Deanne, it's you have to go through those low moments to realize like and even and I'm sure even at the very beginning of this, you didn't know what low moments were until you enter them and go, Oh, this this yeah. is now the basement. Sure. <laughs> this yeah. like this is truly the floor. Yeah. So the third question, kind of the the third aspect of this is how has this strengthened your marriage? Because I know going through any difficult situation it it's a testing ground and i'm sure out there there's stats that say how many parents enter into this and they're divorced by the end of it and it seems from outside you guys have that this has strengthened your marriage so obviously we're not wanting to to pry into areas that you guys want to keep uh um just for yourself but how how have you guys grown as a couple through walking through this experience I feel like it has, with the ebbs and flows of our emotions, um, I feel like somehow um, God was always able to allow one of us to kind of be the leader, um, if even for a day or two or a month or two or a week or two, and kind of pull us through that valley as you're as you're talking about. And that did fluctuate some, and John's already spoken about how Our perspectives were a little bit different. His was much more like, you know, thinking medically and, you know, if this diagnosis was accurate or not. And then, you know, day to day, like the logistical things. And mine was a little bit more longitudinal and different. Um, And I think even that probably helped us because we needed both of those things. And so um, I just, I feel like we were able to lean on each other harder than ever before. Um. I don't know if you yeah. want to jump in. God's faithful and he has he has kept us through this. He's strengthened our marriage. We didn't do it. He has done it. He has um we you know logistically I think Deanna and I are 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 thankful that this happened later in our marriage than early cuz and early in our marriage, we were still figuring out each other and like what does it mean to be a husband? Like, never mind like a dad. What does it mean to be a husband? And then what does it mean to be a dad? And then what does it mean to be a dad with a kid with a disability? You know, th- those like so um we we work we've we've become logistically a good team 
um, where, you know, if Eva needs therapy, like we can, we can work around a lot of different things and that's helped, uh, strengthen us, um, in our relationship, um, emotionally and spiritually. Um, but we are, we're, we're on the same path. We have a faith in God and we know what it, we know what it, what he has called us to do as parents and as husband and wife, and it's messy and we get it wrong a lot. Um, but we're, we have our eye on, on the hope of, you know, raising kids and, you know, Eva, all the options are on the table for Eva. You know, we, we don't want to limit her ability to get married and, you know, have her own life and things. So, you know, we have a hope, but our faith is, is firm and that helps us to navigate all the stuff that we're going to be navigating. I can't imagine doing it by myself. Um, we, we, we would have either one of us doing it by ourselves would have crumbled. Um, so I think we've leaned on each other and God has been faith in the way he's practically been faithful is that he has strengthened Deanna when I was weak and strengthened me when Deanna was weak or strengthened one of our other family members when both of us were at the bottom. Um, our, our church family has been incredibly supportive. We walked into this church in May of 2020 and the diagnosis came in July, September of 2020. And we were, we weren't even members here but just felt the love of our church family. And um, I think that has all been not an accident. I think that Eva herself strengthens our marriage because it could be the most tense moment in the world. And she walks into the room and starts laughing or making a silly face or crawls up into one of our laps and the tension is over. Hmm. Um, And just the way that we tr- we see God through her every day and through both of our kids, but certainly through her. And so I think now that she's here, Eva f- just physically being around, emotionally being around strengthens our marriage. Yeah. It, it makes me think too about, um, we sang it a few weeks ago, the Judoxology, and that the beginning of it is remember, remember all the things that God has done. And that I think it just helps us with, what is an unknown future. Remember, he was there with Deanna in that room when I couldn't be. He was there at the cardiologist appointment. He was there at her birth. He has been faithful through all of the things in our life, just like he was faithful to his people. Uh, and he'll continue to be faithful. Um, we, we know that. He's proved it to us. Um, and so how could we not um, have hope? I mean, what a great testimony of, at the beginning, God, where are you and why is this happening to? He was there. Yeah, he was there. In every the single meeting. Yeah. While, while, while there was questions of, where are you, Lord? He's, he's there. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess just to wrap this up, speaking to our church family, how can we as a church love and support you guys? What or, and, with, and with that and Eva, but what do you need us to know? about Eva, about Down syndrome, about suffering, about trials, about, you know, if there's a, I, I, I'm a strong believer that there's a message on everyone's heart. And if they can, if they can get past the fear of, oh dear Lord, I got to talk <laughs> that there's something that we all need to know. What, what is, what's that message that you guys carry with you because of Eva, because of what you've gone through in the last three years? 
Well, I think I'll let Deanna finish because she'll say something really profound, I know. It's always the quiet ones. They always have the best things to say. You're right. Um, We just talk too much, and they just think about (laughs) it's perfect. Um, A few things. First, we want to be a resource for our church family. Um, So if there are people in our church or visitors that, or anyone hearing this that's not even, you know, associated, uh, we would love to be a resource. We would love to talk to you. Deanna will cook you dinner. Maybe I will. One of us will. We'd love to be a resource. Second, um, we want to thank our church. You all have been incredible through this journey with us. And um, it has been such a blessing to be here in our church and to be loved by the people. And so we would love opportunities to love back uh, if that came, if that comes up. Third, don't feel sorry for us. Uh, This is not, we don't need condolences. Um, You know, Eva is a beautiful little girl. And we might walk through some difficulties in her future, but um, I think that's that's our message is, you know, God is faithful to us, just like he's faithful to other people. And there's going to be hardships in everyone's life, and there's going to be difficulties. And this is, this is our difficulty, but we don't want you to feel sorry for us or uh, pity us. Um, we want, we want you to celebrate uh, with us. Like we, we've, Gone, gone through some difficulties, and and Eva is beautiful, um, and she's great. And if you need a good hug or someone to cuddle, <laughs> she will cuddle with anybody. Um, so I, those are the big things for me. Yeah, and I think just um, remembering that she may be developmentally a little bit behind her peers, especially you know when they're side by side in Sunday school or whatnot. But um, keeping that in mind, but also remembering just to treat her as any other kid as you would in Sunday school. Um, She retains a lot. She's very perceptive. Um, She's growing every day in many different ways and and has already far exceeded our expectations. Um, But also just asking the church to help us bring her to a saving faith. That's not impossible. Mm -hmm. No. I mean, that's all of our jobs. That's part of the commitment we make as members of the church is to mm-hmm. care for each other's kids. I kind of going off of what Deanna mentioned too is we we are pushing her. So we do we are we do want her to like be in mm-hmm. with kids that might be more developmentally ahead of her. That's intentional on our part. Um because we think that she can handle it. Um so we're, when we when we you know get her into the next classes or whatever we that's intentional, mm-hmm. um, but yeah we we want her to come to a saving faith, um, profess Christ, and we think we that we know that that's possible Absolutely. and that if Absolutely. God has been faithful with all these other things, why would He not be faithful yeah. with that? Yeah. That was probably one of my biggest fears when we got the diagnosis. And so now knowing how possible it is, it's just such a miracle to me. Yeah. And and this body of hers is going to pass away and mm. she'll have a new body mm. that won't have an extra chromosome. Uh, and we hold on to the hope of that. Um so as we, you know, I, I know this is about Advent, we think about that's part of our thought is there's a hope. Christ came into this world and he gives us all hope. And um, that includes Eva. 
Well, thank you both for sharing your story and for um, allowing us as a church to walk with you guys through this. Thank you for um, coming to CBC and staying <laughs> and then staying even in the midst of the scariness of diagnosis um, and leaning into the body of Christ and leaning into God and not running away. I mean, that, that just, just the testimony of your faith of um, in the midst of trials and questions. I'm so thankful. And it's a, it, it, it strengthens my faith to see somebody who has walked in the basement of life <laughs> and realized God is there. So thank you. Thanks.